We're in the middle of a four-week series on bold. We're covering today the book of Acts, chapter 4. In the series, we're covering chapter 4 of Acts and chapter 5 of Acts. Last week, we learned that boldness is a behavior born out of belief. Boldness is a behavior born out of belief. Today, I want to talk to you about praying bold prayers. Everybody say bold. Bold. Let's say it again. Bold. Okay. Bold prayers, if you're taking notes, the key is here. What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. What you pray for, or maybe what you don't pray for, but what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. Let me, let me try to drive this home. For example, if, if you don't pray at all, that probably reflects that you don't believe in God, or at least you don't believe that He answers prayers. What you pray for, what you don't pray for, it it reflects what you believe about God. If, if you pray very small prayers all of the time, it, it probably means and reflects that you don't really believe that God is a God that answers big prayers. If almost all of your prayers are for yourself, you know, like bless me, help me, you know, comfort me, be with me, then that reflects the belief that you actually believe that God is just there to serve you. And, and people who have that belief, if God doesn't do what they wanted them, what wanted God to do, they get offended, right? And they say, well, God must not be real because he didn't do what I asked him to do. Again, what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. In fact, our language says a lot about what we believe about God as well. Our language about prayer. For example, I've seen this so many times. You're into a pretty tough situation. You're trying to figure out how to navigate through these difficult waters, these challenging times in your life. And you've done everything else that you know what to do. So then you often resort to saying something like, well, all we can do now is pray, right? Well, we've, we've tried everything, so I guess all we can do now is pray. If that's you, if, if prayer is a last resort, that reflects what you believe about God. I mean, I can just see God up in heaven saying, well, you're just down to prayer, huh? That's, that's all you got. You mean, you mean it's up to me? Well, I guess you're screwed. <laughs> I mean, I'm just the God of the universe, but um, see what, what you say what you say, what you pray, it reflects what you believe about God. So here's what I want to do. Take a moment, and uh, I want you to think about what you prayed for last week. So over the last six, seven days, what, what did you pray for? I've given you a little place in your notes, and I'd love for you to go ahead and jot it down as I'm talking. What, what did you pray for this last week? Ushers, if we could actually uh, pass out notes and uh, pens. Ushers, are you here? Ushers are gone. If you need notes, would you raise your hand? So we have lots of people who need notes. If you need pen, raise your hand. Thank you, Terry. You guys are on it. Keep your hands up high. We're going for it these last, these these four weeks. If you've noticed in the note category, it's a good time to be taking notes. All right. What did you pray for last week? Some of you, if you're completely honest, you'd say, well, I don't think I really prayed. I, in fact, I didn't pray. And that would say a lot about what you believe about God. I mean, let's just call it as it is. Some of you might say, well, I know I prayed. I just can't remember what I prayed. And that says a lot as well. Some of you, you know, I prayed for this. I prayed for that. I prayed for this. I prayed for that. So just keep on thinking for a moment and just jot down one, two, three, four things that you prayed about this last week. Now, as you're doing that, I want to ask you a question. 
If God answered yes to all of your prayers this past week, I mean, you just, you asked him, you prayed, and he, he stamped yes, boom, you prayed, he stamped yes, you prayed, he went poof, yes. You know, God just miraculously said yes to everything you prayed. This is the question, what would be different in the world today? Think about that. If God answered yes to everything that you prayed for this last week, what would be different in the world today? Chances are pretty good that if you pray like most people in our culture, the only things that would be different would kind of just be the things that are close to you. For, for example, if you're a single lady and you're, and you're wanting, to, wanting to be married, want a husband, uh, God would have given you a handsome, on-fire Christian guy this week, right? You'd have a boyfriend. Or, or maybe... <laughs> I hear you in the balcony. Or maybe you're married and your husband, he's just not that spiritual leader. And you're praying for him to be a spiritual leader, and poof, oh man, he is a spiritual leader. Maybe you want your wife to be more responsive, or, or you have gotten that raise at your job, or, or you would have qualified for that house that you wanted, or your grandma would have been healed from cancer, or your friend's marriage, you know, the one that's in trouble, their marriage would have been better. Chances are, if you pray like most people in our culture, the only things in the world that would be different would be those things that are very close to your little circle. For years, that's how I prayed. For years. And then I, I was, uh, first year of being a pastor, I was leading worship for this Tuesday night prayer group. Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, they came together and they prayed and, and I opened it up with worship. But they were different than any other prayer group I had been a part of. See, every Tuesday night, they prayed for the same things. Every Tuesday night. And they were not self-centered prayers at all. This is what they prayed for. They prayed for our country. They prayed for our leaders, our city officials, our mayor, our governor, our president. And they prayed for our military. Those three things. They prayed for our country, prayed for our leaders, and prayed for our military. Every Tuesday night. And they prayed really, really big prayers. Actually believing that their prayers were making a big difference. And I learned a lot from that group. Again, think about in your own life. If God answered everything that you prayed for this last week, what would be different in the world today? And I'd say if you really want to make a big difference in this life, you're going to need to learn to pray some very big, bold prayers. All right, so open up your Bibles. Let's look at the book of Acts. Uh, let's, let's give you some context in case you missed last week. We're looking at Peter and John and their encounters with Christ and living this bold life in the New Testament. If you remember last week, Peter, he was just bold. He preached boldly. He called this group of people a corrupt generation. He told them they needed to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And miraculously, 3,000 people were born into the family of God that day. And then they traveled along and they came across this guy. He was at a gate called Beautiful outside the temple. And he had been lame for 40 years, meaning he couldn't walk for over 40 years. And they boldly said, pick up your mat and walk. And that's exactly what he did. Miraculously, all of a sudden, this guy walked. Well, these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they are not happy about this. They are disturbed because these guys, Peter and John, they're preaching the resurrection of the dead, that Jesus was raised. And many in the Sanhedrin, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. I mean, they're mad. So they arrest Peter and John. They put them on trial. They circle them as the Sanhedrin would do. And they say, by what name, by what authority are you doing these things? Peter and John, they say, hey, let us state this clearly we are doing this in the name of Jesus Christ, the man that you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. In other words, they are full on, full blown, bold. Say bold. bold. 
religious leaders, they would have loved to just keep them in prison. Like, just come on, just keep these guys in prison, even maybe perhaps kill them for what they're doing. But this crippled guy, he's now healed. They got a problem because everybody would have revolted if they had done anything to these guys because these people had seen a miracle. They had seen a miracle. So against their wishes, they had to release Peter and John, release them. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Acts chapter four, verse 23. But before we do, would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord Jesus, speak to us this morning. You've already been speaking to us through your word. I thank you that Jesus, you truly did pay it all. You paid it all. You've made us whiter than snow. And we're so excited to be covered in your wonderful and precious blood. But we pray today, Lord, that we would be motivated and stirred up by your grace, Lord, to live this life how you've called us to live it. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what the scripture says. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. So they went back to the Christians and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they go to this group of Christians and, and they just kind of say, you know what? They threatened us. They told us don't ever speak in the name of Jesus again. And so they're telling them, here's what happened. And when they heard this, what the Christians do, the Bible says the Christians, they raised their voices. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Together in prayer to God. I love that phrase. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. There, there's something incredibly powerful when believers come together and lift up things in prayer to God. And personally, you know, I think in this passage, I don't believe that they were taking turns or when they were praying. I, I literally believe that they were all raising their voices together in prayer to God. So there is prayer all over this place. And, and prayer groups are kind of interesting to me. Uh, some of you, I, I know some of you. I mean, let's be honest. You would never be the first to sign up for that seven hour prayer meeting, right? You just want to like, you know, cool. I'm glad you guys are doing that. But it's just not for me, you would say. I mean, you don't like to get in there and, and hold hands and there's all these tears and there's snot flying everywhere. And they just pray on and on and, and on and on. And it just kind of makes you uncomfortable. Right. Can we be honest just a little bit. It's all right. You still get to go to heaven. I mean, you got to hold hands. With people, and it's so confusing. We were even doing it this morning. We were holding hands in our leadership team, and, and do you go under, or do you, do you go over, and, and over like this, and then, you know, it's just kind of hard. Do you go intertwined, right? Or do you do cupped? And cupped is kind of awkward, isn't it? Right? And then, and then you got the guy over here that's just kind of dead arm. Like, what are you doing? Wake up! And then you got this guy who's just like, the louder he prays, the harder he squeezes, like, in the name of Jesus. And you're like, no! In fact, here's a little tip. This is for free. If you're a new Christian here this morning, the only rule you need to know is when you get in that prayer meeting, you just hold your hands and hold on. And by the end of that prayer, when they say, when they say, this is the Christian thing that we do, in Jesus' name, amen, you just give a little squeeze. <laughs> that, that just kind of signs off. And then you, and then, and then you let go. You, after you say it, you don't dare hold on. That's just weird, right? That's just weird in a bad way. No, you just hold it. In Jesus' name, and we're out. We move on. All right, new Christians, you just try that next time. I promise you it will work. So, so even if these prayer groups don't come naturally to you, there's something incredible when you pray for somebody else. For instance, you might come into a room and, and you don't have a lot of faith for something, right? You've ever come into a room and you just don't have a lot of faith, but you hear someone else praying and it's almost like you get to climb up on top of their faith, right? And then you pray and it encourages somebody else and it builds up their faith. And there's this accumulative, exponential faith that grows. 
And you read these scriptures and there is power when believers come in agreement before God. In fact, I'll tell you a story. I'm, I'm the youngest of five kids. I know most of you know that. And Christmas, it was always a special time growing up as a kid. The Burses, I mean, they did Christmas. We were attending several parties. We'd hang out with friends and families. And, and we would go everywhere and anywhere. We'd look at the lights. We'd watch the shows. We'd listen to the choirs. We'd do everything and anything. As you know, the Burses, we just don't sit around ever. But Christmas Day, Christmas Day, we slowed down. Christmas Day, we slowed way down. Of course, early in the morning, we'd get up, open our stockings from Santa. And in our family, Santa and Jesus, they were like best buds because every Christmas we get this letter from Santa. And he'd tell us how Jesus uh, was really proud of us and he loved us and our parents loved us. And, but then we'd do the stockings, but we wouldn't open up our presents then. See, later that morning or maybe in the evening... We would gather around in the living room. My father, he would open his Bible. He'd read that Christmas story. And then he'd share a couple of things from his heart to us. And then we'd get up. We'd hold hands, all of us together. And we would pray around that little living room carpet. Now, when I was born, there's seven of us. But then my sister got married when I was five. My brother got married when I was ten. I was, first became an uncle when I was ten. So that little circle kind of got larger and larger. And, and we always prayed before we opened up presents. So here I am, a ten, eleven, twelve-year-old kid. And it's kind of tough because you really want to get to the presents. But everybody prayed. And, and this is the Birch household. So everybody prayed for a really long time. I mean, some are sobbing their pray, prayers. Some are shouting their prayers. Others are singing their prayers. Everybody's praying. Twenty, thirty. 40 minutes later, sometimes longer, after everyone had hugged, you know, blew their noses, gone to the bathroom, we'd come back into the living room and we'd finally be able to open presents. But, you know, those prayer times were such powerful times with the Lord. Let me tell you, in my family, honest to God, as a young, young kid, in those prayer times, God became so very, very real to me. At an early age, I saw that it wasn't just the faith of my parents. I could know and I could tell and I could feel that God was real. You know, now my parents, they have 19 grandkids and they still have that Christmas party. We still all pray, but now there's 31 of us, sometimes more than that in that room. And so we don't all pray and hold hands together and we don't each one of us pray. But it is still such a powerful experience for me. I was just thinking about it this last Christmas time, you know, hearing Papa uh, my father pray and then hearing little Trevin praying and or one of his cousins then un- Uncle Jeff or Aunt Jen all praying. And you could just feel the faith rising in the room, faith just rising in the room. You know, when I look back at my younger years, I hardly remember any Christmas presents that I got. I, I remember this power wheels that I got. That was really fun. You remember power wheels? You, you pedaled them around. And I loved to, when my brothers were shooting hoops, I would, you know, go right underneath the basket. So they had to yell at me. And it was a way to get attention as being the youngest. And I remember we always got a kiwi, kiwi and a can of sardines in our, in our stocking. And so it's funny. I really haven't eaten, eaten uh, sardines since I was like 12, so whatever that means. And then, then the one year I got this really cool remote control car. I mean, it was cool. It was red. I really remember this car. I mean, it was like awesome. And then the little guy in the front and his little head turned, depending on where you turn the car. Well, my brother used it Christmas night, and he left it on, so it corroded the batteries. So I actually never got to use it. And um, I think I'm really close to being able to forgive him for that. So... Almost there. Lots of counseling sessions and 
Anyways, <laughs> other than that, I, I don't really remember the gifts that I received, but I'm always going to remember those prayer times. I'm always going to remember uh, living and, and standing and holding hands around that little living room carpet as we met with God. I'll never forget. I will. I will never forget, as long as I live, the beauty and the power of the presence of God when we joined our voices together in prayer. So that's what these believers are doing. But by the way, these believers, they are doing this under extraordinary persecution. I mean, they came and this is the prayer that they prayed. Verse 24, the middle of the verse, it says, Sovereign Lord. Can everyone say sovereign? Sovereign. sovereign. So it basically, basically means God, hey, you're in charge. You're the man. You are over all. You have the final word. You have the final say always. And, and watch how God focused this prayer is. Pay attention. He, they say, Sovereign Lord, you make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, who you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And so they're starting this whole prayer with this massive God consciousness. They're just like, you know what, God, you are the supreme creator. You are Lord. You are God. You are in charge. Now, I can guarantee you God didn't need that, right? God didn't need them to say that. God's like, oh, yeah, you know, thanks for re reminding me. I forgot that I am in charge. No, God didn't need that. It's very likely that what they were doing is they're just kind of posturing themselves, right? Posturing themselves in the right position of worship to a holy God. It's almost like they're just reminding themselves, God, today we, we are reminded that you are sovereign over all. You are supreme overall. And as they did that, they prayed two of the boldest prayers. They really did. And pull out your notes. It's, it's my prayer that as a church, we would pray and live these bold prayers. Because if we're going to make a difference in the world, church, life spring, we cannot be half-hearted, lukewarm, cultural Christians. We've got to be fully devoted followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who live boldly for the name that is above all names. The name of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to pray these two bold prayers. First one, if you're taking notes. We're going to pray for boldness. We're going to pray for boldness. We're going to ask God to make us bold. Verse 29. They said this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider their threats. What were their threats? We don't really know. We can only assume it was beating them or putting them in prison or killing them. That's likely what those threats were. So, Lord, consider their threats. And then they prayed this and they said, and enable your servants to do what? Please say it with me to speak your word with great boldness, boldness. Look at what they're doing. I love this verse because they're praying for even more boldness. Now, I'm looking at this objectively and I'm thinking, wasn't it boldness that got you in trouble in the first place? Right. Wasn't it boldness that got you arrested? Aren't you already bold? And yet here they are. They're praying for more boldness. I got to be honest. If I was consulting them today in today's culture and environment, I'd just say, you know what? You need to lay off this whole Jesus thing. I mean, can we just lay low for a little bit? We don't want to get you arrested. I mean, we want to keep you safe. And without you, we really can't do the work. And besides, it's almost football season. And I know you got the season tickets. And if you're in prison, how can you go and cheer on the Seahawks? Do you think they would buy that at all? 
No way. Do you think they would listen to even a word? They would say, get behind me, Satan. No, they are praying for even more boldness. I'm asking you a question. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Have you ever just prayed, God, make me bold? It's actually a prayer many of us struggle with. Maybe because you haven't thought of it. Or maybe it's just, you're, it's kind of scary, right? I mean, you love your life. You love how comfortable it is. And, and praying bold for, for being bold, it just sounds messy. Sounds like it involves a lot of issues and problems and, and other people. But you know, the main reason I believe that we don't pray for boldness is boldness really is an others-centered prayer. I mean, it doesn't typically help me, right? Boldness is always, always for the benefit of someone else, to help them know the love of God through Jesus Christ. Think about it. And let's be honest. I mean, most of our prayers, they're just so self-centered. And that's okay. God, God can accept all our prayers. But, but think about it. It's help me get an A on the test. Help, help me give a good presentation. Help me get that raise. Help me get a new car. In Jesus' name, I pray that this temple would disappear before the dance Saturday night. Amen. I prayed that prayer so, so often in high school. But you know that these self-centered prayers, but I challenge you, pray for boldness, pray for boldness, a boldness which will influence others. And this is what I've been doing. I've been praying every day. Make me bold, Lord. Make me bold, Lord. Make me bold. And he has. Tuesday, it was my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. And so we took the kids over to Central Perk. If you know where that is, it's the coffee shop over across the street from Pioneer Park. My brother Doug and his family, they joined us, and that was a lot of fun. Well, after we get, we're done eating, all the adults talked and talked about, you know, serious things. Well, I took the kids over to the park. Um, we had about eight kids. I think we had eight kids with us, so I took them over there and I have this little ball and we're, we're playing ball and one of the kids, he throws the ball and he throws it too far, rolls up to this lady, the lady picks up the ball, throws it back to us. Well, it gives me an opportunity, so I went over, I thanked her for giving us the ball and we began to talk. Praise the Lord. So she starts talking about her granddaughter and talking about her family. And then after one of her comments, I just said, praise God. Just praise God. It kind of shocked me. Like it just came out so naturally. I said, praise God. She goes, oh. You know Jesus? I said, you bet I do. And I started talking about how I was a pastor and and we had this great conversation. But then at the end of our time, she told me about this letter. She had been holding this letter the whole time in her hand. And she told me how she she was asked to go to court, but she really didn't want to go to court. And so I said, well, I'll be praying for you. And, And normally when people say that, it means I'll be praying for you later, right? But I said, I'll be praying for you. In fact, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah. I said, okay. And I put my hand on her shoulder and we just began to pray. Right there in the middle of Pioneer Park, we just began to pray and pray and pray. I didn't even know the lady. Her name is Glenda. She's the good witch. But I just prayed and prayed and prayed. (laughs) Amen. Makes me think about a time when my dad, he took me to the ER. I'm sick. I'm his son. I am sick and I'm in the ER. But my dad, he's there. And when it's our turn to go see the ER doc, I turn around and I see my dad. He's praying for the man that's sitting next to us who is off his rocker drunk. And my dad has his arm around him and he's praying for him. I'm telling you, you pray for boldness, watch out. I'm, I'm serious. You pray for boldness, watch out. You're going to be praying in Pioneer Park. You might be praying in the ER room. You might be praying in the frozen food aisle of Walmart. Watch out. But pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. I dare you. I double dog dare you. 
I, I, I'm just ready to move on. You know, <laughs> I'm just tired of this. Can we pray others centers centered prayers? Pray for boldness. Pray big prayers. Pray, God, use me today. God, use me for your glory. God, make me bold. God, stir me up. God, give me eyes to see the needs of those that I work with. Can you pray for your co-workers? God, give me a heart sensitive to those who are hurting. There are so many hurting around us. God, would you give me a prompting of your Holy Spirit to minister to those that are on my left and on my right? God, stir me up. You pray and you watch. God will do something amazing in you. He will begin to stir you up. To make you bold for his glory. I promise you, pray for boldness. Second thing, second thing that we see in our prayers or in their prayers is that they teach us to pray for miracles. They pray for boldness, consider their threats, enable your servants to speak the word of God boldly. And then they pray for miracles. Verse 30, listen up. They say to God, stretch out your hands, God, to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're going to pray big prayers. Jesus, heal sick people. Jesus, raise the dead. Help us cast out demons. Do miraculous signs. They're praying big prayers. You want to make a big and bold difference in this world? You pray big, bold prayers. Because what you pray for, again, reflects what you believe about God. Friends, If you pray small prayers, you're believing in a small God. And most of us, I mean, we all pray small prayers. And and small prayers are awesome and amazing. In fact, I believe our prayer life should kind of be just like a running dialogue with God, where we're just talking to him, talking to our father, talking to our daddy all the time. You know, Trevin lost the gas cap to the mower the other day. And I said, Trevin... We need to stop and pray. So we stopped and pray. And you know the end of this story. About an hour later, I'm, I'm just done. I'm, I'm tired and I can't find the gas cap. And I put my knees down like this. And at my left foot, underneath the bush, was the gas cap. Right? How many just little prayers has the Lord answered in your life? Again and again and again and again and again. But you know what? I just feel like sometimes we just stop there. You know what I mean? Like we just stopped it. We never pray for anything big. The prayers I listen to often sound like this. And if you get offended, that's okay. But the, the prayers I hear is like, dear God, thank you for this day. You know, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. God, thank you for this day. And, and I wonder if God just saying, you know, I've heard you say that for the last 43 years. I understand that you're thankful for this day. Or God, be with us. Be with us, God. God, be with us. God, be with us. Be with us, God. God's like, okay, yeah, I promised you that I would, and I, and I am. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I mean, you can ask for it, but I'm going to do it anyways. And, and they're great prayers. I mean, pray them all the time. But I think sometimes God would say, ask me something hard. Give me something that's so big that when it happens, everybody's going to know that I did it. Pray bold prayers. Pray for something big. What you pray for, again, reflects what you believe about God. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. And, and here's a question. Why, why do so many people not pray these, these bold prayers? Well, what if it doesn't happen? Right? I, mean, I don't want to be disappointed. I've tried before. It didn't work. I don't want to make God look bad. So, so we give God these escape clauses. I, I do this all the time. And we might pray something kind of bold, right? But then we say, if it be your will, right? Lord, I just pray, blah, 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 blah. 
you know, if it be thy will in Jesus name. And I'll tell you, here's where I am with that. And I want you to hear this. Pay attention. And from the bottom of my heart, I have no fear anytime, anywhere to pray to God for anything because I've seen him do the impossible again and again. And so I'm going to ask him to do the impossible. Now, does that mean that God always does it? No. You bet. No, not at all. I've had enough loved ones in my life die much too young to know that. But Joshua prayed. And what happened? You remember? The sun stood still. Well, sometimes you pray for the sun to stand still and the sun sets. And listen, here's where my faith is. My faith is big enough in God that I can ask him for something and my faith can handle God saying no. I want to say that again. My faith is big enough in God that I can ask him for something and my faith can handle God saying no. My faith can handle God saying no because he's the sovereign Lord. He's in charge. He's in charge. But nothing is going to stop me from praying big, bold prayers. There's a couple in our church, John and Sandy, who have gone through just extreme, serious trials in their life over the past few years. Sandy with an aggressive form of cancer, John, and a horrific accident at his workplace. But you can't help but smile, right, when you see them. I mean, you know, I know that they are walking miracles. And I've invited Sandy to come on up just to share a little bit with us. So would you welcome Sandy up to the stage? Thank you. Praise God. First of all, I am so thankful that I belong to a praying church. Amen. That um, when you ask them to pray, I know they're praying outside of church, but first and foremost, they say, why don't we just pray now? And, you know, that's a great exercise here. And, you know, I love when all glory goes to God. And in that last song, we sang that Jesus paid our debt and he raised our lives up from the debt from the dead and every hand went up i love that i just love that and uh i just love it that our lives reflect uh his glory and his grace uh and it's through that glory and that grace that god brought us through my march 15th of 2011 my brother died and then uh he's 50 years old and that was probably what I thought would be the most painful thing uh, that I could go through, that I could walk through. Um, we were so close. But then two weeks later, they found out that the melanoma that started in my eye had metastasized to my brain, my lungs, and my lymph nodes. And, uh, you know, I have to say, though, that my walk with the Lord um, provided this first cognitive thought that said, thank God, it was me and not anybody, any of my loved ones, because I know that God is in charge of all this, that God appropriated, that this wasn't a surprise to God. It's not that he did it. I don't blame him at all. And... Um, but that he appropriated such a time as this, that it was no surprise. And that he appropriated the doctors, he appropriated the treatment, and he appropriated the cross. 
Isaiah 43, Isaiah 53, um, talks about how Jesus took our infirmities on the cross. And I said, no, Lord, you, you took it. There's no double jeopardy. You took, you took my infirmities on the cross. You took this melanoma. They'd given me, the doctors had given me six months to live. And uh, they said even with their medicine uh, that it wouldn't, the whole brain radiation, the melanoma chemotherapy, that um, it would just sustain me for a little while. And um, so I went through it, but the great, the great part about it is as you're hooked up to, or if you're in a lab, you know, you're just sitting there and you have this person in front of you who deals with sick people all day long as they're taking your lab reports. And I realized that they couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> and I was there. And I would ask, and I would let them know what I was there for. And they would say, wow. I'd say, yeah, they're giving me, they told me that I had so long to live, but. I know my God, (laughs) and I know that Jesus paid for this. And I would give them my testimony uh, beforehand, basically, that I know that he was in this. The worst thing that could happen was I could go to heaven, (laughs) and that's a pretty awesome, (laughs) that's a pretty awesome prognosis. However, I just didn't feel like he was, he was finished with me here because the verse that he gave me, my life verse was Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you hope in a future. And I thought, Lord, you gave me that verse. As I was sitting there when the oncologists were telling my husband and I about the grievous prognosis. And I said, you know, I just didn't feel it. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel the prognosis, praise God. And, it, and I don't base my life on feelings. I praise, I praise God that I, I base my moments and my life on um, what I know of who God is and his faithfulness and his graciousness and his power. And um, so we went through all that. Um, a few people were saved through the process as I was hooked up, you know, with my melanoma chemotherapy. A few people on either side and um, nowhere to go. And they got, they got to hear about the grace of God and the power of his healing and his goodness. And uh, so moving forward, about a year ago, I got my last MRIs done and my um, melanoma oncologist up at Fred Hutch looked at me. Frankie and I were, were there, and he came in, and he was, as he was talking, this man who's seen, you know, the most horrible things, you know, young people and, and old people alike go to their deaths because of melanoma. Um, he said to me, Sandy, really, your faith has healed you. Because our medicine didn't. There is no sign of any cancer in my brain after there was over six inches of swelling 
on the right side of my brain. And the main characteristic of metastatic melanoma is that the lesions hemorrhage and they spew. And, uh, you know, I just thank God for a praying church also. Um, I thank you all so much. Um, so then moving forward to uh, October 2nd of this last year, um, it was a beautiful day, I remember. Um, and John called me about a little after 12, like he always does. And it seemed to be kind of a leisurely more conversation. He wasn't in any kind of hurry. He was at work. And um, then, so we said goodbye at exactly 12.30. I saw on my phone. And then 12.45, the phone rings. And it's this gal from the office at John's work telling me, Sandy, John's been in a major forklift accident. It's very serious. He's being taken to Harborview. So you, once they mention Harborview, you know that it's nothing to play with. So God helped me keep my sanity there in the moment. Went and picked up Frankie, went there. And, and the gal had told me, this is the description she was so nice to tell me. She said, he's unconscious and there's blood everywhere. So, so, you know, you can just imagine. But, you know, the Lord kept me. I mean, I was, of course, hyperventilating, but he kept me sound enough to be able to know uh, that I just had to get up there to Harborview. And then I called, uh, I think, Randy Ford and then Pastor Randy and Pastor Adam and Pastor Dan all met us up there, uh, and then all our family and so on. And fortunately, fortunately, although John, by the grace of God, I mean, he, there are so many fronts on which this man should have been dead. There is no way that anybody could say it was anything but God's hands in this circumstance because. This huge forklift hit him from behind, and any any sort of physics, any sort of anything would just, you would think that this huge forklift would have gone right up the left side of his body, but it didn't. The hand of God held it back on the back of his rear end and uh, dragged him 75 feet. But it didn't go over him. It was less than an inch from his vital organs. And uh, so this cracked open head, there was no brain damage. We were all praying bold prayers. (laughs) We were speaking life, life over this man. And um, his, his hip to his tip of his foot was all what they call degloved. The skin was all off of it. And his bones were showing, um, even his hip bones. But yet, the you know, we prayed boldly, so much so that this man recognized who was sitting off over here. Uh, this was the first evening when John had his accident while we were waiting for the surgeons to come out from the immediate uh, from the immediate surgery, and this 
the guys ended up praying for this man who was a Christian. So, you know, people were noticing that we were bold (laughs) out there. And yet, though we were sitting in the emergency room of this uh, trauma hospital, that we had joy. The Lord helped us to be glad through even this circumstance because, fortunately, they were concerned about his leg and not his head. You know, we can handle the leg. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it could have been so much worse on many fronts. And we just spoke life over him. And then the doctors came out and said, this is just amazing. Remember that? This is just amazing. They said, his leg the long bones are still intact i mean the the uh, forklift had to go back over him to get off of him so not only did it drag him 75 feet but it had to go back over him and uh, then they said his vascular system was still intact he had lost like three quarters uh, two-thirds to three quarters of his blood at the site And so on that front, he should have very well have passed. But, you know, we were busy. We were too busy speaking life, praying life over him. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that our tongues have the power of life and death. And we need to pray boldly. You know, I really believe that, that God wants to answer our prayers more than we want to ask. Because he is that good a God. And so as they, they told us from the onset that still they might have to amputate from his hip down. Um, but, you know, God appropriated also that surgeon. He's the only amputation surgeon between UW and Harborview. And uh, he's a Christian. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? He's a Christian. And so he just felt compelled to leave his leg as such and just allow God. Well, he didn't tell us that at first because he didn't necessarily know where we stood. Um, but he, he said, I just felt compelled to leave the leg and watch it heal. And we're like, well, hallelujah. <laughs> because that's what we're thinking, you know. And people were kind of concerned because they kept coming with the options as John was going through this horrific debriding, it's called, uh, with a water pick on this tissue and nerves and everything. Um, But, you know, it was funny because John was uh, even drugged up. (laughs) He was talking about Jesus took so much more. Have you seen the passion of the Christ, (laughs) you know, in this? So, um, you know, as... As it seems like the uh, the situation was trying to defeat us, we I don't know that there was really ever a moment of weariness because of knowing that our prayers, that your prayers, that our prayers were reaching God, that we weren't asking anything out of the Christian ordinary that, Lord, save this leg for your glory. Save it. Yes, there are many men and women who have gone before us that have lost limbs. But this is a moment where we can say there's the hand of God was in this situation. And we were just praying that his glory would be shown in this circumstance. And uh, then afterwards, when we were finally after three, three months in Harborview, 
uh, and then uh, 20 days in the, uh, I'm sorry, the, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm skipping over the, okay, the final surgery, they were going to uh, have to amputate the ankle because they said, you know, he has a very crushed ankle. It'll never be useful. It'll always be frozen. And his foot was like an Oscar Mayer wiener, they said, that split open. And you could, his bone was exposed. And uh, the amputation surgeon, Dr. Smith, said, we're just going to have to take it. And we resolved, okay, okay. But, you know, I was saying, Lord, I know you're not done yet. And, you know, that was bold because the doctor just told me and us that he was going to have to have his ankle amputated. But, you know, I stood on that, that, Lord, I'm not, I'm not resolved to that because you are a God of wonder. And so about an hour later, Dr. Smith came out into the, into the room and he said, you wouldn't believe it. I'm like, give it to me. (laughs) He said, I can't believe it. I turned around, putting my gloves on, turned around after they undressed John's foot, and it was healed. (laughs) He said the, the tissue was all healed. Praise God. And I said, yeah, that's God. That's the power of God. And so then he said, but his ankle will always, always be not workable. It's crushed. We don't really have an answer for that. I said, well, you know, God's brought him this far. Praise God. (laughs) So I just believe he's going to do more. Lord, show him. Show him what you can do. And so I spoke over that. We spoke over that ankle to be healed you must align yourself under the word of god telling it just as the just as peter and john at the beautiful said rise up we can speak life be bold and speak life over these things in your life and so one day we were watching 700 club pat robertson this is about a week later before we were going to see the orthopedic surgeons um And Pat Robertson said, there is a man, (laughs) I mean, he's all the way in Virginia, and I don't know when this show was taped, but when we were watching it, he said, there's a man who has a crushed ankle from an industrial accident. God is just knitting that together right now. And oh my gosh, the power in (laughs) in our living room, we were both just weeping and receiving it. And so that was like on a Friday and Maybe on a Monday or Tuesday, we had the appointment, and uh, I was so excited. I, wa- I mean, I was, uh, I was, I was, I can't wait to, to see the doctor. And the doctor came in, Dr. Beret, and he said, what happened to your ankle? <laughs> I'm like, that's God, <laughs> you know, and uh, praise God. And so, you know, don't be afraid to ask To pray bold prayers, to ask for what seems impossible, to ask God to speak life uh, against things that are otherwise professed by doctors 
or lawyers or the bank. No, we are the inheritors of the kingdom of God. And we need to know that we can come to him for even the the silliest things, really. Really quick, I know that you want me to hurry, but really quick, even for you women out there, um, to be bold. My girlfriend and her two teenage daughters um, didn't have mascara. There was a one-income family. They didn't have money. I mean, this is silly. But you know what? This is how God, he loves our hearts. He loves us. And he thinks, he thinks that the things that are important to us, you know, if we're, if we're looking to him, he puts those needs and those desires in our hearts that are of him. And, and so they needed mascara. Hey, I can understand that. Um, so she said, being a woman of prayer, she said, let's pray. So they prayed. So two hours later, this woman calls a neighbor across the street. This little Japanese woman who gets Clinique uh, soap but doesn't use the product. She said, Wendy, can I come over and deliver some makeup to you? Wendy said, praise God, yes, I would love it. And you know what? In that basket of stuff, 16 tubes of mascara. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> so <laughs> I love those little silly things. But, you know, it's just... Is just another proof of how, you know, God sees us. He knows we're human, but, you know, he sees us as wonderful. We are his children. So don't be afraid to be bold, even in the little things. Can we give it up for John Sandy? Amen. I love that story. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to end with this. Um, Acts chapter 4. John, will you stand for us? The cool thing about John, he just like evolved from different apparatus to different apparatus, right? And now he's... Look at that. I mean, he, he came with a walker, then a cane, then a whatever, and then now he's hop, skipping, and jumping, and competing in the Olympics. <laughs> that was a lie. That last part was a lie. So Acts chapter 4, 31. Memorize this one. It's powerful. It says, after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That wasn't a one-time event. That happens again and again and again. I think about their story. That you pray and the Holy Spirit comes and he gives you boldness. Boldness. So what we're going to do right now, we're, we're going to, well, actually not right now, but at the end of the service, we're going to pray for Ray and his trip to Ghana. But, right, and, and to be honest, Ray, we're just going to pray for a harvest in Ghana. We're going to pray for the multitudes that they would come to know the love of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the evangelism of you, Ray, and your interpreters, Emmanuel and Maxwell. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God boldly. And when he answers our prayers, guess what, church? We're going to tell everybody that God showed up and God showed off. And God is going to get all the glory. And if God doesn't answer the way that we think he should, guess what? God is still God. It doesn't shake our faith. Because we believe he's the sovereign creator of the universe. And we're going to pray bold prayers. Why? Because how we pray reflects what we believe about God. But before we pray for Ray, 
I'd like to pray for every one of you in this room. So would you bow your heads as I pray? Father, we ask right now that in your presence, you would stir us up to real deep and growing faith in you. Right now, Father God, stir us up in our faith. And as you're praying this morning, those of you that would be honest and say, you know what? I'm just praying smaller prayers. I'm praying self-centered prayers. And I really want to pray some bold prayers. I want to believe God for big things. I want to what I pray for to reflect what I believe about God. And I want to believe that God is all powerful. I want to believe that God is ever present and all knowing that all things are possible with my God. I want to pray bold prayers and make a bold difference. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hands right now? Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you all over this place. I see you. Every one of you, I see you. That's an act of faith before God. I pray for each one of you. God, I pray that you would stir up this church, that we wouldn't be just Christian in name, but we would be full of faith that all things are truly possible with you, God. Just like the story of John and Sandy. God, we pray for boldness and we pray that you make us bold for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we pray for miracles. I pray today that, God, you would hear the cries of every person in this room and that, that you would do a miracle in their lives, just like you did in John and Sandy's life. We want to see you, that you would be undeniable, that you showed up and you showed off and you would get all the glory as you answer our bold prayers. Holy Spirit, come just like that verse said, Holy Spirit, come shake us, Lord. Let this ground be shaken. Let our lives be shaken, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And let us be moved to speak the word of God boldly. And we keep, let's keep on praying. For some of you, you're going to pray the boldest prayer you've ever prayed. It's going to be the response to the boldest act of love in the history of the world. The boldest act of love is our good God did something for us that we did not deserve. We couldn't do for ourselves. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was without son, sin, to be on the cross. And he raised from the dead so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Our problem is that we have a sin problem and it separates us from a holy God. But as you cry out this morning on the name of Jesus, Scripture says that he will hear your prayer and he will forgive your sins. He will make you brand new. And that is exactly why some of you are here today. But I'm not going to let you just keep it a self-centered prayer. Jesus, save me. Just keep me out of hell. No, I'm going to push you even further today that it would be a God-centered prayer that would say, don't just be my Savior, but Lord, be my Lord of my life in every way, in every situation. I don't want to just be a cultural Christian anymore. I don't want to just be a cultural Christian who believes in you, Jesus. I want to be a fully devoted, fully surrendered follower of your son, Jesus Christ. There are those of you in this room right now that know this is your moment to wholly surrender, to completely come to God and say, save me. I'm a sinner. I need changing. I need you to heal me. I need you to make me new. Don't just save me, but make you first in every way, in every part of my life. I wholly and completely surrender my life to you. I give it all to you for your glory. Those of you that would say that this morning, those of you that would say, Jesus, take my life. I give it to you. Jesus, make me new. I give it to you. Would you lift up your hands right now and lift them high? I see you. I see you. Absolutely. I see you. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you over there on the right. Absolutely. Anyone else? Raise your hands up bold. This is your time. Be bold before the Lord. Raise them up high so I can see. I see you. Absolutely. I see you. Absolutely. I see you on the back. I see you on the side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone pray this together with me. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. My life is not my own. I give it to you as you gave Jesus to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
so I can serve you always. Here it is, church. Make me bold. I give my life to you. Thank you for giving new life to me. Would you take a moment? Would you just get loud? Would we just praise the Lord and worship God? Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.